Hi everyone, welcome to the Understand the Bible podcast. The sermon that you are about to listen to is from Daniel chapter 6, or the famous passage about Daniel and the lion's den, a well-known children's Sunday school story. But what does it have to teach us? And there's a much deeper lesson uh, for adults. Just to let you know that I've just finished the Apostles' Creed series, which is available now on YouTube. The whole thing is on YouTube and also on the Understand the Bible website. If you'd like to do the course or if you know anyone who would be interested, perhaps a church small group uh, might be useful for. Thanks so much, everyone, for joining me. I do hope that you enjoy and I hope to see you again for the next one very soon. In the meantime, God bless. Or perhaps as we, as we listen to that reading, you were getting a sense of deja vu as, uh, as we read through. If I may quote from that, uh, that well-known sage, Pete Townsend, you know, the, uh, the lead singer and songwriter from The Who, meet the new boss, same as the old boss. Um, and uh, there's not often you get to quote The Who in a sermon, so I like to, I like to take the opportunity. Uh, but that's the thing, isn't it? You know, with Darius, it's just... What's changed? You know, they're the Babylonians, they're gone now. Babylonians are gone, now it's the Persian Empire. But it just seems like history is repeating itself. And what do, we, what do we make of that? And that's what we're going to be thinking about as we go through, because there's a lesson, I think, in the fact that this is included at the end, just to show us actually something about what we should be expecting. Uh, so, um, so Daniel, he was... Um, now that Nebuchadnezzar or Belshazzar sorry was gone Darius comes in and uh, he appoints satraps to rule and um, he appoints three chief ministers Daniel's one of them and it says that so that he might not suffer loss so perhaps he's he's um, you know wanting these chief ministers to make sure there isn't any corruption you know that the satraps he's appointed aren't overtaxing, they're not taking money for themselves, you know, they're not doing shady deals, all of that sort of thing. And uh, it says in verse 3, Daniel so distinguished himself among the chief ministers and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. And the other chief ministers didn't like that. Maybe it was because he was too squeaky clean, that he couldn't be bought, that he couldn't be corrupted. Maybe that was the problem. I don't know if you've, um, if you like, um, yes minister and yes prime minister. You know the old the comedy um, uh, TV series. But um, there's an episode there where Jim Hacker, the prime minister, has to appoint a new governor of the Bank of England, and um, he's got two choices. He's got um, a Christian, you know, who's a Methodist lay lay preacher, who's kind of all squeaky clean and who would sort out the corruption in the city. And he's got this other chap, Desmond, Desmond Glazebrook, who just, you know, is sort of one who um, would do absolutely nothing about it, just maintain the status quo. And eventually he's sort of forced into accepting the one who wouldn't do anything because, because the people don't like the one who would sort out the corruption. That's the thing, you know, and that's how the world works, isn't it? You know, we don't like people who expose corruption and who, who come in and do what's right. And they hated Daniel. And that should be really um, a lesson for us. This is what um, Jesus said, John chapter 15, verses 18 and 19. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Now, if, if Daniel had just adopted the values of 
of the world, they wouldn't have hated him. But it was because he was different. It's because he wasn't going along with all the, the corruption. It was because he couldn't be bought or, you know, whatever it was. That's why they hated him. Now we sh and it's all through the ages, we as God's people should never be surprised by, by hostility because that's the way that the world works. The world is in darkness and it hates when that darkness is exposed. And so they, um, the, the chief ministers, the satraps, they try to find grounds. They, they realise that they can't, because he's so squeaky clean, they can't find any way of accusing him um, in, in that way. So the only way we're going to do it is on religious grounds. And so they, they hatch this plan, they plot and they say, um, make a new law, O king, so that for 30 days, people can only pray to you. And it sounds, you know, to the king, it sounds fairly good. I mean, who wouldn't want to be the one, you know, God for a, for a month? It sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? But it's, you know, it appeals to our sense of vanity, especially in those days to the king. Um, and, um, and so this law is made. And um, Daniel, he, he says, verse 10, when Daniel learnt that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. And so that's just what he did. Daniel didn't give up. He just went back and um, he had this habit formed. He prayed three times a day and um, he just went and did the same thing, the exact same thing. But it did make me think, actually, something I was reading saying, you know, habits can be helpful to us. You know, if you have a habit of reading the Bible and praying, that can keep you going in times when you wouldn't otherwise. And don't underestimate the power of having those habits, going to church, reading the Bible, praying, even if you don't feel like it, because that can keep you going in spiritually dark times, having those habits. Um, but Daniel, it, it, it really struck me here that he didn't, he could have obeyed God still, but just done it in private. You know, he could have gone home and said, well, okay, I'm going to go home and I'm going to close the curtains and I'm going to go somewhere where they can't see me and I'm just going to pray to God in private. But he doesn't do that. He wants them to know that he's still praying to God and he disobeys the law. He breaks this law. And I think this is a really significant thing. You know, Daniel knows he, who his allegiance is to. He knows the first commandment. He knows you shall have no other gods before me. And he knows that God is the one who sets, sets the rules for his life, not King Darius or these other, all these other chief ministers. And I think it's a, it's a good lesson for us, especially with the, the direction that the world is going in right now, that sometimes being belonging to God means that we have to obey earth, uh, disobey earthly authorities. That sometimes those two things do come into conflict. And we've seen some examples of this in the last couple of years. I know some churches who have kept on meeting and kept on singing hymns and so on. And um, to be honest with you, um, I, I don't know, but I, maybe that was the right thing to do. That was certainly 
um, you could make that case from the Bible, couldn't you? Does the government have the right to tell us not to meet as a church, not to sing hymns? So um, I think that's a, that's a good lesson for us to ponder. And so Daniel, he prays and they catch him out, obviously, as, as, they, as they're going to do. And um, they, uh, they, they take it to the king and they, they you know, kind of remind him about the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be changed, which cannot be repealed. And, um, and he says, yes, the decree, the decree stands. And they said, ah, Daniel, this is verse 13, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, your majesty, or to the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. Gotcha. The king couldn't do anything. He tries, he tries all day, but he can't do anything. And it really, um, I think this little bit is, a, is a, just a little um, illustration of what it says in Psalm 146, verses three to five. Do not put your trust in princes, in human beings who cannot save. When their spirit departs, they return to the ground. On that very day, their plans come to nothing. Blessed are those whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God. And that's the thing, even the king, even the king couldn't save Daniel. He couldn't go against the law of the Medes and the Persians. So even knowing the highest authority in the land, the highest human authority, couldn't save Daniel. But he does say, the king, uh, King Darius, does um, say to Daniel, may your God, this is verse 16, may your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. And it's actually, um, uh, Dale Ralph Davis says, this is, this is a stronger statement than it, the English translation makes out. It's like saying... Um, uh, your God will save you. It's, it's a sort of quite confident statement, actually. And um, which is a very, you know, strange thing, if you like, for, for Darius to say. Um, but perhaps he'd, he'd known about what had happened before. Perhaps he'd heard about what had happened with Nebuchadnezzar. And God vindicated Daniel. They did throw him into the lion's den and they sealed it up. Uh, and the king, it says he fasted through the night. He, he spent the night without eating, without any entertainment, and he couldn't sleep. And he gets up, goes to the lion's den, and he calls out, uh, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? And this moment of, the moment of truth, what's happened? And it says, Daniel answered, may the king live forever. My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouth of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. So God vindicated Daniel. He said, um, Daniel said, I have been vindicated by God. I haven't done any wrong. I didn't do any wrong by you. And I haven't done any wrong. And I like it was um, that the, it's like the lions fasted as well as the king. You know, the king didn't eat anything and the lions also didn't eat anything that night. There's a quote that I came across recently from a Hudson Taylor, the, the famous uh, missionary. Um, and he said, God justifies the confidence he enables us to place in him. God justifies the confidence he enables us to place in him. And I thought, what a, what a justification of, of that faith. 
that, that Daniel had and, and even you know, that Darius was saying, you know, may God, your God protect you. It shows that although the world is still hostile, that actually, you know, meet the, meet the new boss, same as the old boss, well, God is still the boss. God's still the boss, God's still in charge. That although empires come and go, God is still there in charge of it all. And it finishes off this, this, this passage uh, with Darius proclaiming the true God. And it's very like what we've seen before. You remember the end of chapter three with the, uh, the fiery furnace, and um, Nebuchadnezzar says, well, everyone needs to worship God. And then again, after he was driven mad, again, you know, saying, proclaiming like Darius does here, this little hymn of praise to God. Um, and, um, and Daniel flourishes again, just like we started with in chapter one, if you remember, with Daniel and um, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. Um, Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. So Daniel flourishes in Persia, just as he did in Babylon. So let's, um, as we um, look back over the passage, let's just draw out a few things for us to remember uh, for this week. Both Babylon and Persia were hostile to God. And I think that shows us something important, that you know, empires may come and go, and things may get better sometimes or may get worse for Christians. But at the end of the day, every human empire at some level is going to be hostile to God. And we shouldn't be surprised at that. We shouldn't be surprised when we encounter opposition. Uh, this is what Peter says. This is what 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. He says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. Do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal. We shouldn't be surprised when we encounter hostility, when we encounter opposition to God and to Jesus. That's, that is just the way that the world works. That's just the, the modus operandi of, of every empire at the end of the day. They set themselves up in opposition to God. And I think we in this country have been in a very unusual situation in that we do have a, a Christian head of state. Um, but many people throughout the world do not have that. And even in our country, you can see the ways that the governments have um, done things which are against God's laws, um, especially over the last few years. The second thing is that we are called to obey God. We're called to obey God first and foremost, even if sometimes that means disobeying the law. And this is what um, the apostles realise in Acts chapter 5, verse 29. They say, we must obey God rather than human beings. And that's a principle which the church has um, thought through a lot and had to think through a lot over the last 2,000 years. And it's not an easy one to deal with. And I think perhaps we in the Western world, perhaps because we have lived in a Christian country for such a long time, um, perhaps we're not used to thinking in those terms. Um, but I think that it's something that we need to think through, especially as we see our government getting progressively further away from the way that God wants us to be as a society. And, um, you know, for example, 
um, same-sex marriage was a clear departure from the way that God has ordered society. I think, actually, I think a lot of what's happening is about the destruction of the family, um, if you look. And that's not what God wants. So I think, you know, we need to be prepared at some stage to say, I stand with God and, you know, I'm, I'm with the way that he wants the world to be. And he alone demands our worship and, and our obedience. So it's something that we need to think through. And perhaps it's an opportunity for us to listen to Christians who are from other countries, who maybe ha this has been a much more live issue for them in, year, in years gone by. But the third thing is that uh, God will bless us and vindicate us. And this is true whether or not he saves us in a, in a temporal sense, in, you know, t in the here and now. Because we know that there are, if you look around at the world, there are many people who've been martyred for their faith. That much is true. And God hasn't saved them in a, you know, from, from death in the physical sense. But they will be vindicated one day. And if you read the book of Revelation, you see what happens to the martyrs, you know, the way they're honoured. And God will vindicate, whether here and now or in the future. Um, he will vindicate those who trust in him. Our job is to be a witness to the truth. And I think that's the case, whether, whether God saves us in the here and now or whether it happens in the future. Our job is to say, I will worship God. I will listen to him. I will obey him. He is my Lord. He directs my life. And we are to be a witness to that and to his laws. Uh, whether or not we are publicly vindicated in this world or whether that will be in, in the world to come. So we need to cling fast to the Lord and that's the message. And I hope that as we've gone through, gone through the book of Daniel, it's been a, an encouragement and a help to you. Just that encouragement to whatever else may be happening in society. Remember that God's still the boss and remember to hold fast to him. Hold fast to him. Let's take, a, let's take a moment to pray as we close. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the way that um, all through the book of Daniel, as we've been looking at, that we've seen, despite the opposition in the, in the world, we thank you that um, Daniel was able to hold fast to you and you vindicated him and his friends. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us to draw strength from you and from his example, and that you would help us to be people who, uh, like him, hold fast to you and be a witness to your truth and to your ways in a world which is increasingly going away from them. So we pray for your help this day and each day. In Jesus' name. Amen.